real quick because I do want to make these recordings available to people who couldn't get on the line. So we're talking about the two core fears. And the first one, the fear of failure, the fear that I'm not good enough. And guys, I think this fear started when we were really small kids because about every two minutes, somebody said, no, don't do that. Don't be like that. Can't you be more like this? And no matter what kind of kid you were, if you were shy and quiet, they said, can't you be more assertive? You need to be assertive. And if you were too assertive, they said, can't you be calm and quiet? No matter who you were, you started getting these messages that maybe you needed to be different than this to be right, to be enough. And that's kind of where that fear of failure gets started. And the older we get, we face more challenges in life and we gain other levels on which we can fail. Um, now we can fail in a marriage and we can fail at our job and on, on top of our appearance and performance, everything that's, that we, we worry is not good enough about ourselves. So this fear of failure is that insecurity that we all battle. And I am telling you, everybody on the planet does battle with this one every day. It doesn't matter how together you think they appear, they're doing battle with fear that they're not enough all the time. So that's the first one. The second one is the one I wanna really get into today because it is what we are experiencing the most of in the world right now. And we call it the fear of loss. So there's a lot of obvious losses. Most people, when I ask them what they're most afraid of, they say, I'm afraid of losing my spouse or my children, my loved ones, my friends. And, and that's an obvious loss. Same with losing your job, losing money, losing opportunities. Those are pretty obvious losses. But I want you to think a little bigger than that, that you have a loss experience every time things don't go the way you would want them to go. So if you get stuck in traffic somewhere and you're going to be late, you're going to be all upset about the way this is rolling out. You're, you're having a loss experience because this is not what you wanted. You wanted to be on time. You had other plans, right? So anytime life doesn't meet our expectations or we get home and we get surprised by the kids have messed up the whole house, this is a loss experience. And Think about when the kids mess up the house, it's, it's a loss of time and energy that you, you could have spent doing other things. So, so that's a loss. Um, everything in life or anything that could happen that would take away from the quality of your life is a loss. So just think about right now how all of these losses are coming together and causing stress and anxiety and fear for all of us. We're, we are afraid of losing loved ones. We're afraid of, of losing our economy, losing our financial security. The stock market's taken a big hit and that's taken from you. All of these experiences are loss experiences. And I think the fear of even more loss that may be coming has us all worked up with quite a bit of anxiety. Now I just want, because I mentioned that each of you have one of these that is your dominant core fear. I wanna give you kind of some of the behaviors so that you could maybe figure out which core fear might be yours. So if you're a fear of failure dominant person like I am, um, 
you're, you're going to be a people pleaser. A lot of the time you're going to worry what people think of you. You're going to really take it hard when you receive criticism or judgment. Um, there's times you might be a doormat because it feels safer to get approval than it does to get your way and speak your truth. Um, you might be bad at boundaries and, and let yourself get walked on at times. So does that sound more like you? Or if you're a fear of loss dominant person, you may find that you need a certain amount of control over things in order to feel safe. When we experience fear of loss, it's really a I'm not safe in the world experience because the world isn't the way I need it to be. And, I, and if I just had everything the way I need it to be, then I'd feel safe. So fear of loss dominant people tend to be a little more controlling, a little more bossy maybe at some level. They, they tend to be more opinionated and they can tend to be kind of scary to fear of failure dominant people because they will speak the, your, their truth. Fear of loss dominant people will tell you if they feel mistreated where fear of failure dominant people probably just take it. Um, if you guys are familiar at all with my 12 shapes program, a really easy way for you to figure out which fear is your dominant fear is to go to 12shapes.com and take the quiz. And it'll tell you which of 12 profiles fits you. This is actually something I've been hearing a lot of families are having fun with during the quarantine. They've all taken the quiz, figured out what shape everybody in the family is, and they're spending some time learning about everybody else's uh, shape. And let me just say, it looks and feels like a personality test, and I know everybody likes those fun personality tests. It's actually not based on personality at all. It's based on behavior, and the biggest things that drive your behavior are what you value most and what you fear most, which is where those two core fears come into play. So uh, that could be a fun thing to do while you guys are, are locked up at home. So I wanna talk a little bit about where this fear of loss, this fear that I'm not safe in the world originally comes from. And I want you to recognize that I'm not safe in the world is a belief. It's a belief that we all picked up early on. When Again, when you were a small child, you saw dangerous things happen in the world. Anything you experienced that made you not feel safe, anything you heard or, or saw developed this belief that I'm not, I may not be safe. And like I said, we all have it. So we all spend a certain amount of our time and energy and focus every day trying to make ourselves safe, trying to find the sense of security in the world. And the one thing that this, this pandemic has definitely done is it's, it's shaken our sense of I'm safe in the world. And if that wasn't enough, and you live in Utah and you experienced the earthquake this week, when the ground beneath your feet that has always been your solid ground starts to shake, this is gonna be a huge trigger for that I'm not safe in the world. Um, now you might notice I'm not in Utah right now, I'm in Mexico, so I didn't get to experience that earthquake with y'all, but I did live in San Francisco during the Loma Prieta quake back in 88 or 89. And, and I know how scary and how um, anxious that, that makes me. I think for years, 
if my husband rolled over in bed at night and the bed shook, I'd be wide awake and, and scared and worried. So all of these experiences are definitely bringing up a lot of fear of loss for us. But tonight, what I want to teach you that would help you even understand your own fear of loss a little bit better is that there is another belief, and I call it a foundational belief because it's underneath the surface of the belief that I might not be safe in the world. And I really think this foundational belief is what causes us to believe that we're not safe. So kind of go with me on this, but I believe we have another belief that life is random chaos. And because it's chaos, I am not safe in the world. Now let me explain. I kind of learned when I was a kid that we all have agency and everybody can choose whatever they want. So all these people are running around out there making choices about what they want to do and they can cut me off in traffic. They could rob me. They can treat me badly, mistreat me. And because of all this agency and all these people running around choosing whatever they want and add on top of that, let's say natural disasters that can hit that we never see coming. All of that chaos can make us always feel like we're, we're never gonna be safe. And the other thing that it does is it kind of makes us feel like other people are a threat to our sense of safety. And on some level they are because their choices can affect your journey. But this is the question I want you to ask yourself tonight. Do you believe truly in your heart? Do you believe that the universe is in chaos? Do you believe in a higher power? Do you believe that there's a God or a source or, or forces at work in the universe that are forces of order and, and not just chaos, but that there is order? Um, one of my heroes that I have learned so much from is Viktor Frankl. And maybe a lot of you know who he is and have read his book, Man's Search for Meaning. When I first read that book, it was really life-changing for me in that what he, what he taught the world as a prisoner going through the concentration camps in World War II and having that experience, what he taught us was that we each have the power to choose our own attitude in any situation and that, that it is in fact the last of the human freedoms that no one can take from us is, is our power to choose how we're gonna see our perspective and, and our attitude in, in whatever happens. And as life-changing as that is and, and the difference that that belief has made in the world, there was another discovery that he made in the concentration camps that many people aren't as familiar with. And during that experience, he actually posed this question, and let me also mention that he was a brilliant psychotherapist before World War II and, and this um, experience with the Nazi regime. He, he had a brilliant mind to begin with. And so the question he pondered was, is it just random bad luck that I was captured when I was and that I was sent here and, and I've ended up in this barracks, in this place with these people having this experience. Is that just random or is there meaning and purpose in that? Is there a reason 
that this has happened and that I'm here having this experience. And he pondered and pondered that question for a long time. And you know what he finally decided? There's no way to know. There's no way to know if it's chaos or if it's perfect order. It, it's an ultimate truth that we, there's no source we can go to to know that for sure if there's meaning and purpose. So he recognized that at the end of the day, this was gonna be perspective and that we get to choose our perception and the way we wanna see the world. And so he decided if it's a choice, let me try them out. And, and first he decided to try on seeing the world as random chaos and that things don't happen for a reason. There's not order, it's just luck. Bad luck, good luck, it just happens to us. And as he tried that perspective on, I don't know, for days or weeks or whatever it was, he found himself getting more and more distraught and depressed. And it was creating mental health situation for him that he recognized was not positive. He, he kept thinking about walking into the electric fence and getting it over with if there was no meaning or purpose to it. So he decided that wasn't really working for him, so he would try on believing that there is order in the universe and that there's meaning and purpose and that things do happen for a reason. And he tried that on. And he found what it did inside of him was it motivated him to want to rise in this experience, to want to turn it into a human achievement. If there was a reason that he was having that experience, if there was purpose and meaning in it, then he wanted to do something with it. And, and he did. He went on to write this book that's been one of the most influential books ever written. So if you've never read Man's Search for Meaning, it might be a great one to read, especially at this time when we're, we've got a little more time for reading than we usually do. It's one I would highly recommend. But what I want you guys to get from telling that story is that we basically have the same choice. We get to choose if we're going to believe that life is random chaos or if there's order and purpose. Now, I noticed years ago, um, I was starting to see signs of incredible order everywhere in the universe. Kind of started with the eclipse. And I was marveling at how perfectly, based on the distance apart, that the sun and the moon would appear the same size from Earth. That's such interesting perfection in that kind of order. And I started to read some things about all of the factors that had to be in play for our planet to support life. And the odds of all of those factors not only being exactly the way they would need to be, but perfectly exactly what they need to be to support life on this planet. The odds of that happening are so remote, the statistics, that, that it starts to lead us to believe that there is some kind of order in the universe. And because I'm a person of faith, and I'm gonna go there tonight, and I hope that that won't offend anybody, if you are not a person of faith, um, yeah, this might not uh, be up your alley, but we find that it's, it's choosing perspective and perception. And I even have clients that are agnostic or, or atheist who still recognize that they literally have to choose a belief about the universe and whether there's order or chaos 
And if they don't consciously choose one, that they will subconsciously choose one and most likely will feel unsafe in the world all the time. But these are, these, this is the choice that comes to us every time something happens that's not what we wanted. We can either have fear, have loss, feel deprived. We can have this kind of miserable experience uh, of not feeling good about what's going on in our life, or we could trust the universe that there is some order and meaning and purpose to what's happening, and that that purpose is to serve us, to grow us. And I've had an interesting experience over the last 20 years as a master coach. I have coached people from almost every religion, every country and culture on the planet. And I've asked all of them what they feel like the point or purpose of being on the planet is for them. And all of them, regardless of their belief system, have always come back with the same two things. That I feel like I am on the planet to grow, to evolve, to learn, to better myself. There seems to be something hardwired in us that tells us that growth is, is our reason for being here. And the second thing they almost all tell me is love. And I've kind of put the two together and I really believe that we are on the planet to grow and learn and especially to learn love at a higher level. To learn to love ourselves and other people um, and God and life, to, to really learn love. And the thing that makes that difficult for all of us is fear. Fear is the opposition to love. It's your fear of not being good enough that makes you struggle to love yourself. And it's your, your fear that you're not safe in the world that makes you distrust God and the universe and, and life. So what I want to propose tonight that you maybe start playing with as part of um, this experience that we're all having is the choice that we could make to trust. And I'm gonna say God tonight, that we're gonna trust God, but if, if source is the better name for you, if we're gonna trust the universe itself, that there's forces in play in the universe that are, are constantly uh, conspiring to teach us, to grow us, to give us opportunities to learn how, love and trust at a higher level. And, and I just believe that that is truth, but I have no way to prove that, that it's truth, that there's order in the universe and that it's conspiring to serve us and grow us and it's on our side. I can't prove that that's truth, but you can't prove that it's not truth. And so where that leaves us is just where it left Viktor Frankl, that we have to choose a perspective. We can choose to see the universe as chaos and against us and that we're unsafe all the time, or you could choose to trust God and the universe, that they're actually on your side, that you're loved and cared for, and that this journey on this planet is a classroom. We were sent here to school, and we have this opportunity to grow and learn, and especially to learn trust and love. So every time we have a fear of loss experience, these are our two options. We can be in fear 
and be bothered and, and unbalanced, or we can trust and love and find our balance in that because we feel safe. You always have those two choices. Now I wanna jump back to one of my examples earlier and just show you how in a day-to-day -day scenario that this might serve you. Um, so I talked about coming home and my kids have destroyed the house, made a huge mess. In that moment, I can feel loss. I can feel mistreated, I can be offended, I can be angry because this is not what I wanted. That's one option. I can have a fear of loss experience. My other option is to trust that the classroom of life that's constantly conspiring to grow me has set me up today. And today's lesson is how I'm gonna handle this as a parent, as a spouse, and come from trust and love and not fear, and rise and make this experience a human achievement. Now, I'm still going to make everybody help clean the house. <laughs> I'm still going to, I'm not going to be a doormat here. I'm going to speak my truth about it, but I'm going to do it from love and trust that this experience was here to serve me on some level, which means I'm going to handle it from maturity and, and compassion. And um, I'm going to show up in a way that I, I'm more proud of than I would have shown up if I had been in fear of loss and just felt mistreated or offended. Now, one of the reasons I really wanted to um, talk to you about our options at moments like this when we experience loss, um, one of my concerns with all of us quarantined in our homes is we're gonna have conflict. And all of us were already functioning in a fear of loss state because of everything we're losing. Three of my adult children have lost their jobs. And there's a lot of fear of loss and anxiety going on with my family. Um, and I know there is with yours too. Um, if, if you've in your home watched your, your savings um, fall, your retirement accounts because of the stock market, um, worried about your job and not having the income you need, we've already got loss happening. What happens is we tend to be wearing loss glasses. And these lost glasses mean whatever I'm looking at today, I'm gonna see it, it's highly likely that I'm gonna see it as further loss, further mistreatment. I'm, I'm gonna see things that maybe ordinarily wouldn't even offend me, but today they're gonna look like offend, they're gonna look like you're taking from me at some level because I'm already experiencing that loss, so I'm seeing the world through a loss experience and we're gonna offend each other. We're gonna have more conflict in our homes. And I was reading this week that the, uh, all the mental health community is preparing that we're gonna have more domestic violence issues in our homes because of this issue. We're functioning in a lost state and we're gonna be easily lost triggered. So I wanna talk about two things tonight regarding that. Your number one job in life is to monitor where you're showing up. And, and that is the one thing that you have control over. So it, that's, that's good. This is gonna be your number one job. It's something you have control over to monitor your own state all day, every day. 
And I want you to remember, there's only two states you can be in all day long. You're functioning in either that, that trust and love state where you're choosing to feel safe in the world. You're choosing to believe that there is a, a source, a higher power in charge, and that everything we experience here is here to teach us and grow us and help us become better. And I'm going to choose to trust that I am safe in the world. And from that balanced place, I'm going to take those lost glasses off and I'm going to be better able to show up for people in my family and really maturely handle those mistreatment moments that are probably going to happen. Or I'm going to be out of balance. I'm going to be in this fear of lost state and I'm going to be watching for, for anything that makes me feel further taken from. And I'm going to feel anger and I'm going to feel um, deprived and taken from. And we're going to have that conflict. Now, I am not saying that you should be a doormat and let your family abuse you on any level while you're home alone or with them locked in the house. Um, I have clients ask this question. Actually, it's probably one of the most asked questions that I get submitted from KSL, too is, oh, okay, my spouse or my friend, or somebody did this to me. Should I bring it up and, and address it or should I let it go? And what's the right choice? So this is my answer. It depends if, which you can do from trust and love. So if you can bring it up and address it, but you can do it from a place of, of seeing this situation accurately, this is just today's classroom. And, and this is not about truly loss or mistreatment to you. This is a, a lesson, a learning opportunity today for you to grow and learn. If you're able to trust God in the universe that this is actually your perfect classroom today to have this offense experience happen, and knowing that, access your love, because you, you can only access your love when you feel safe. And that sense of safety is not gonna come from your family or your circumstance. It's coming from your trust in God and the universe and source, that there's order in the universe, that, that everything is always conspiring to serve you. That's where my sense of safety comes. It comes from trusting God at that level. Um, and I actually want to take that a little bit farther and share with you tonight, because I know we've got some on the line who've, who you've heard this. If you've read my book, this is kind of uh, a repeat of things you've already learned. Um, one of the things I've been practicing recently, the last couple of years, I've experienced a lot of loss too. And I, I've taken on as a mantra all day, every day, this saying um, that nothing exists that God did not create. Nothing exists God did not create. He created the entire universe. He created all the people that I know. He created everything that we experience. He created this universe to be our classroom. And if nothing exists God did not create, then we are safe in his hands. We are. He's created this classroom to be here to grow us and, and help us and teach us. Um, 
it's got purpose and meaning in it. He hasn't created it to crush us and, and destroy us and cause us misery. He's created it to, to grow us, to help us learn. And when I remember that nothing exists that God did not create, I, I can choose to feel safe because of that. In that moment, I, I know that I'm safe in the world because he is the author of everything. And, and often we forget that he is the author of everything. We have an authorship problem. And by the way, that term does come from the Course in Miracles. Um, so I can't take credit for it, okay? This authorship idea. But sometimes we get confused and we think that we are creating who we are, that, that we are the author of the life that we're experiencing and, and who we are. But really, there's nothing exists that God did not create. God is the author of everything. And when you doubt your own value and you see yourself as not enough, you're, you're believing that you have the power to ruin what God perfectly created. And let me tell you, guys, we're not that powerful. We aren't. His, his will is what drives and, and creates everything that happens in the universe is happening as his will. Now, I, I know that that means bad things can happen. And I don't like the idea that God is a puppet master making bad thing, things happen to me. I believe that he created this universe to be our classroom. And he put forces at work in this uni universe that work with our agency moment by moment. We're each making choices and we can choose anything we want, but the universe is working with those choices to co-create with us a classroom experience for all of us that we will grow and, and become the person that we're meant to be in this process. And trusting that, that the universe knows what it's doing, that these forces are at work and, and it's not predestined, it's moment by moment creation, but I believe there's such order in the universe that I can truly feel safe all the time. And what I'm going to encourage you guys this week to play with as you go through this loss experience is that everything that happens to you is your perfect classroom journey. Now that, that may be a new idea for you that may feel very out of your comfort zone and, and clashing with some of the beliefs that you've had a lot of your life. Because it is, I'm coming up against that I'm not safe belief. If life is your perfect classroom and nothing exists God did not create, you are safe. And you have the ability to choose to feel safe all day, every day. Now, I know it's not that easy because you're going to get triggered and your subconscious programming believes you're not safe. So it's going to take some work. Um, our coaching clients, we spend 12 weeks working on this, on, on practicing and playing with trusting the universe that everything is right in the world, even when it looks like it's not. But the more that you practice it and play with it, the easier it will get. And also keep in mind 
that the only time that you have any power to choose your perspective, your attitude, is right now in this present moment. And, and often I'll have clients say, oh, I just can't because I just don't trust God. I don't think he's in control. I think things are happening here that, that probably don't, don't have his fingerprints on them, right? But this is the thing. <clears throat> you, you get to make that choice moment by moment. In this moment, you do have the power to choose to trust him. You have the power to choose for right now, I can choose that he's got me. Now that doesn't mean two minutes from now, the fear isn't gonna creep back in and you're gonna have to do it again. But this is the play and the practice that I work with all of our coaches and our coaching clients on, is to constantly, moment by moment, exercise your power to choose for right now that you are safe in the world that there is order in the universe and that everything that happens is here to serve you and grow you and help you even when it is really hard. Now I had a client this just this week who said to me, ah, but you know, the worst could happen here. Um, I can lose my job. I can have no money. I could have a loved one die. All of these things could happen. And you're absolutely right. Bad things happen to us all the time. Um, if I told you all the loss that I have experienced over the last couple of years, um, you'd, you'd know that I get that. Bad things happen to us all the time. They do. But at the end of the day, I am still left with this question, do I, do I want to choose to trust God that he's got me even in this? Do I want to choose the, to trust anyway? Or do I want to live in fear? Because when I, live, when I choose to live in fear and not in trust, I suffer. I'm miserable. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the things Viktor Frankl said, and I quote on this, suffering ceases to be suffering at the same level the moment your experience finds meaning. Now, I added a few words in that. That wasn't a direct quote, but you get the idea. You, you suffer less when you choose to stay in trust. And it's something you're going to have to play with and experience maybe yourself to trust me on this, that it really works. And that when I feel safe in the world, when I choose to believe God's got me in his hands, I show up better. I have access to my love and I can show up at a different level. Um, so I had this other interesting thought recently that I want to share with you guys. Um, if anyone has either seen the movies or read the books, the Divergent series, these were some interesting novels that came out, I don't know how many years ago, it's been probably 10. Um, but in the, the books and the movies, they had this experience where they basically went into a virtual reality situation. And it, it came from a shot that they gave these people. And they, they would find themselves in this world where they would have to face their greatest fears. And so the worst case, horrible things that they were most afraid of would come at them. And they had to manage getting through these fears. But the thing that helped them the most was when they kept remembering 
that this isn't real. This isn't real. This is, this looks like it is. And all signs would tell you that you're in danger and you're not safe here, that it, that, that is not necessarily true. And as soon as you could remember that this wasn't real and you weren't really in danger, that you were safe, all those scary things would lose their power. Now, I really truly have come to believe, and, and maybe this is just perception that I'm choosing because the only other option is fear, but I am choosing to believe that this classroom, this, this is here to teach us and give us opportunities to grow and learn but this isn't, this isn't, the, the threat that you feel isn't real. God's got you in his hands this entire time. And we are actually safer than we realize. But we can't make it look like you're that safe. Because if you knew, hands down, that you were that safe, there would be no growth. And there would, you would lose this opportunity to choose to trust him anyway. The, the growth that comes from this opportunity to choose to trust that I'm safe and God has me, even when all the signs look like I'm not, the, the growth that comes to us from that exercise is so incredible. And, and if you knew, and it was easy, if you knew you were safe and it was just a piece of cake to see that, you'd miss out on all that growth. So I really think that we are that safe and we just are in this scary place where things look scary because it gives us a chance to practice and, and learn. Uh, a couple years ago, I took some kids to a haunted house and I was watching one of these girls in this haunted house. Uh, every time you turned a corner, some scary creature would jump out at you and we'd all scream and, and uh, we were frightened, but it was more about being startled probably than anything. And the minute this scary creature would jump out and we'd all scream and be scared, this little girl would say, I know you're not real. I know you're not real. You're just someone dressed up. You're not really a, a serial killer, or whatever they were. Um, and I watched her do this all the way through the haunted house. And I thought, that's the practice right there because these things happen to us and they look incredibly scary. But can we step back and say, you know what? Beyond what this looks, I trust God's actually got me. He's got me in, in his hands the whole time. And though bad things in the worst case could happen, you know what? At the end of the day, we're all still going to be okay. We're still going to be okay. We're going to get through it. Uh, the client that I was working with this week is so worried about not having the money that they need. And, and I understand the fear of that and it's terrifying and, and there's, there's a reality to it. But at the end of the day, we've got people all over the world that have no money and they're still okay and, and life is moving forward and they're all right. We make it through these things and we will make it through this one. Um, I wanted to share one more thing and then I'm gonna open up for some questions. Um, reading the Course in Miracles this week, I came across something really neat about perception. So perception is the way you're seeing the world, but you need to understand you're seeing the world through a lens that's made up of the beliefs that you've 
adopted throughout your life. And ever since you were a little kid, I'm not safe and I'm not good enough have been beliefs that are part of that lens. So we're seeing the world, world inaccurately if those are our beliefs. If you believe at all that you're not enough and that you're not safe, it's a misperception. It's a misperception based on the truth of order in the universe. So the Course said, um, you misperceive whenever you think these three things. One, that what is perfect can be rendered lacking or imperfect. You misperceive when you think that what is perfect can be rendered lacking or imperfect. Think about that one for a minute, because I know this one's deep. I'm going kind of deep on the call tonight. Um, if I always get my perfect classroom journey, and it's always coming to me in exactly the way I need to grow and learn, because that's the point of my being on the planet. God doesn't create things that aren't perfect. I, I can't lose. I can't lack. I can't be deprived of anything I should have had. I'm getting the perfect classroom for me. That means there is no deprivation or loss, that whatever's happening is perfect. Now, I know this is, this is high-level trust, but when we think that we can ruin or that other people can ruin the plan that God and the universe have for your life, you're talking about usurping the power of God. And I don't believe that we're that powerful. God's will is, is, is in this entire creation. And I don't think there is deprivation. And if every single thing that happens to me, every loss is actually my perfect classroom, then is it a loss? I, I've decided I don't think it is. I don't think it's a loss at all. You misperceive when you think that you can distort or diminish the creations of God, including yourself. You think you can diminish the value of you that God created perfectly and infinitely and absolutely valuable in his image, uh, made of child of God material. I, I don't think we're that powerful. We can't diminish the creations of God. And you misperceive when you think that you can create yourself and the direction of your creation is up to you. We, we are in a perfectly created universe having the exact human experiences that we're supposed to be having. And we're co-creating those moment by moment with our choices with God, but we are safe all the time in all of it. At least we have the option of choosing that as our perception if we want to. Now, if this is like a little deep for you, if it's kind of blowing your mind, um, I, I will tell you, I've got a ton of resources on my website, free resources. Um, I've got podcasts, you guys, you can listen to that reinforce these concepts. Um, my book, Choosing Clarity, if you haven't read it, um, reinforces these concepts because it takes a lot for us to change these deeply held beliefs that have been in your programming your whole life. It doesn't change overnight, but I promise you that it does work. 
And the more that you play with it, you practice it, you're going to find a piece that comes over you. Uh, I always ask coaching clients after they've worked on this for three months, day in and day out, you know, what's the biggest thing in your life that's changed as you practice trusting at this level? And they all say that the things that get to me, uh, the, the lowering of my stress level, my, my anxiety, is it's so much less. I can handle the things in life when they come when I'm practicing this. And I promise you that's the kind of thing you're going to notice as you keep practicing practicing and, and sitting with it. And my hope is that if we, we do this every Monday and I'm going to keep teaching different things each week, that it may help you to have a little bit less anxiety uh, around this whole thing, that maybe it'll lessen the conflict in your home when you remember that your spouse and your children are in your life because they're your perfect teachers. They are the perfect teachers for you, and I, especially your spouse. I believe we marry the teacher who can teach us the most, and unfortunately, often the way we teach each other is by pushing all of our buttons and bringing those fear issues that I'm not enough and that I'm not safe to the surface so that you can see that there are things that you still need to work on, that uh, those triggers are still really active for you, and, and every time they do something that brings that out, this isn't a, about you being mad at them for triggering it, okay? This is about you recognizing, I got some work to do on that I'm not good enough. If you feel insulted a lot, it's because you still believe that you're not good enough. As soon as you know that you can't usurp the power of God and change your own value, that you have the same exact value as every other human being on the planet, no matter what you do, and you can trust God about that, it will be a lot harder to insult you because you will know your value and it's coming from in here. And as you get mistreated by things, if you remember and trust that nothing exists, God did not create, there is no mistreatment loss if it's serving you to be there and bless your life, then you're actually safe, you guys, all the time. Um, in my book and in a lot of my articles, I talk about two things that we practice trusting in all day, every day. We practice trusting that our value is not on the line, that you have the same value as every other human being, no matter what, and that your life's the perfect classroom for you. And the more that we practice trusting in those two things, the more those fears and those triggers shrink and, and you get more and more balanced and more and more peaceful. Uh, okay, so I've got um, a couple questions that have come in by text and then I'm gonna unmute the line and see if anybody else has one tonight. I think we've got quite a few people, but I'm gonna try that. Um, so the one, question um where would we find the 12 shapes behavior quiz so it is at 12shapes.com and it's 1212shapes.com and you'll see a button uh that says take the quiz or find your shape um okay somebody else i really had to practice choosing love and trust over anger and fear with all those utahns showing up at the airport reading their missionaries. It really helped me to let go of the anger 
when I recognized it as fear and then choose love. Oh, I saw that too. Um, I have to admit, you guys, if you read the article that came out today, that fear causes selfishness, right? Um, in, the, in those moments, we're worried about us, especially when we're having loss, uh, fear of loss feelings. We start to think we've got to look out for us and we forget about other people. We just forget. We're so worried about our own sense of safety that other people kind of uh, fall by the wayside and we don't even see them. And, and this has really been what's behind all the toilet paper hoarding. I know that the first people who ran to the store to buy out the toilet paper, they most likely weren't thinking, oh, I'm going to make sure none of my neighbors have toilet paper. They were thinking, oh, what if things go bad and I can't leave my house and I run out and we don't have enough. I got to, their fear drove them to try to create safety for themselves. So they bought all the toilet paper and then everybody else went, well, wait a minute. Now I'm not going to have enough. So I got to do the same thing. And this snowballed out of control of fear of loss. We forgot to think about other people. And this happens to all of us when we feel mistreated in that moment, how often when you get mistreated, do you lash back at somebody else and you treat them just as badly back, but you feel justified doing it because you got to protect yourself and they hurt you first. Well, this is the same problem. We're in self-preservation mode. We're just thinking about how do I make sure I'm okay and we kind of forget everybody else. The people at the airport, forgot to worry about the rest of us and spreading the virus for a minute. And I'm sure now that they've all seen it um, on the news, they've gone, oh yeah, that was probably not very community-minded, right? But I love the lessons that this experience has, has showed all of us. It's been a reminder. And, and I love that you're already recognizing um, that your anger came from fear and choosing love towards those people. Isn't that so much more mature? I feel so good about myself when I can get out of that fear, anger reaction and, and see more accurately and, and choose to show up in a balanced place myself. Okay, so I'm gonna unmute the call. If somebody else has got a question, we try everybody not to have back so we can do this. Anybody got a, a question for me? I've talked about some things that have helped me tonight. Um, this is Jenny. I I don't know if this will make sense. I really pressed it, pressed it through my mind. I it's interesting with all of my kids. They're all on like different levels of where they are and handling this. Like I've got one daughter that just thinks it's just a hoax and let's stop all this. And you know she's out dating and her kids are out playing and <laughs> and I've got another son that's like don't come visit us. <laughs> and so it's hard to let you. So then like the one that's, you know, she wants me to send her kids and then the other son doesn't want me to come 
see him or how, you know, if I've been around. So it's kind of um, interesting to how, you know, where, as a mom and a grandma, where to fit in with that, <laughs> how to navigate that. Ew, that's so tricky, Jen, because you want to honor where they both are. Right. Yeah, I can see that really, really tricky. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a really great idea <laughs> on how to do that better. I, I think you just keep asking questions about how you could show up best for them. Um, I, I find when we're not sure the right way, the best thing to do is ask. Yeah. Ask each of them, how can I show up for you to get through this? Um, and, and if they say they want to see you, you decide if, if that feels safe to you. Let your inner GPS guide you if it seems like the right decision or not. Guys, I, I do believe we each have that GPS that guides you to your perfect classroom. And if you feel like you should go over and then get the virus, I guess you were supposed to get it. <laughs> That'll be the perfect classroom, but listen, so that if you're nudged one way or another, you get the message. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody else? Let's see, I've got somebody here who's asking um, for ideas on how to um, get through this. And I actually, I think I'm going to write an article on that topic. Um, again, I ask a lot of questions. The, the biggest thing that everybody needs right now is a chance to talk. And, and especially, I think, little kids. Um, since not going in your shirt today, by the way. He said, this doctor's shirt. Um, what, what everybody really needs right now is just a chance to voice how they're feeling and what they're thinking. Um, especially kids, asking them questions. Um, also, just watch for, for signs of stress in kids. Um, you know when your child's not behaving the way they usually do. When they're grouchier than, than usual, um, they're, they're crying, they're sleeping all the time or not enough or can't sleep or, or any, any kind of acting out that you see right now, we've got to assume that these behavior changes right now are driven by their fear and out of their comfort zone with all of this. And, that, and that's a sign that we probably need to sit down and do some more talking and especially listening. Um, we were, I was talking to some of my coaches earlier tonight and we were saying, you know, the question that, that helps most people the most is when you ask, what's the worst part of this for you? Or what are you most concerned with? And, and let them have a chance to voice those, those things. Um, I think people need to be listened to. That's how we show them that, that we're there. And just that makes you feel safer. Keep reassuring them that they are safe. I think your example is going to be greater than what you say, though. So if you're showing up in fear, then your children are going to be in fear. Um, if, if you need to re-listen to this call and, and really work on your own fear level, they're going to take their cues from you 
So the more that you can choose to trust, I think that's a good idea. Um, limit how much time you have the news that the news you know is uh, blowing this thing up. And if you have that on all day long, that's gonna be bringing more and more fear into the family. You don't need to be watching that 24 seven and have the kids um, subjected to it. Um, I also think having a routine still is important for kids. They're, they're used to having a routine that kind of gives structure to their, their days and their life. So the more that you can create some kind of routine again, mixed up with different activities, I think that's helpful for them. Um, but those are the ones off the top of my head and I'll, I'll try to come up with some more and we'll, we'll hit some more of that in, in an article coming up. Okay, I'm gonna unmute, we're about out of time, but anybody else got a last question or comment? Well, you guys, thanks for taking some time tonight to be on with me. I hope that you found this helpful. Um, I would love to get some emails from you all. Maybe if there are questions you wanted to ask but you didn't want to voice them on the line, um, you guys can send me an email. My email is coachkimgiles at gmail.com. Was helpful for you. And um, any questions or things you'd like to hear me talk about more next week? And I will be back Monday, same time, same line, uh, next Monday. So I, I look forward to seeing y'all and, and talking more again next week. You guys have a good night.